Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to try to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and fulfill that purpose? Well, we have a special guest today. Um, He's going to be a repeat guest. You know him. You love him. He's my friend, Brett Hart. Brett, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me back on. Yes, sir. Well, uh, thanks for coming up to Amarillo the first time, man. I really appreciated that. And now we're down here in your home, in your hometown, a town I graduated from, but it's your home um, here in Eastland, Texas. So I really appreciate you making time to uh, be on the podcast and share what you're thoughts with our listeners today my pleasure and my honor bro yes sir yep well uh brett i can't let you go without letting the uh letting the listeners know once again what is your purpose man my purpose is uh to be a husband in the beginning you know just to be a good husband and a leader a spiritual leader in the home as well as just a leader in life and then also my uh my purpose is to be a protector and a provider so same as last time yes sir yep so i like that brett um Man, today, uh, first of all, what's been going on, man? What's what's different? I, I hear that you had a uh, jujitsu comp in between our last two, our last episode and this one. Yeah, man, I uh, I had a little super fight. It's uh, out in Big Spring, Texas. It's a something called Warlord Invitational, and yes, it's sir. Uh, yeah, it's just a cool little little thing this guy's building out there it's real small and you know gritty and I love grungy. it yeah it's kind of grungy you know yeah. but it's uh you know if you've ever seen fight club don't now I'm not in a fight club but what I mean <laughs> is like the yeah. the vibe of it is not you know just like these competitions in Dallas Fort Worth can be a little foofy sometimes like yeah. this is in a in a building and it's kind of grungy and you know you yeah. walk up on stage there's music there's you know everything and I uh, I was very fortunate enough to compete against a guy and uh, I was very fortunate enough to choke him and he was a, a great partner so awesome man awesome well uh, man uh, we want to start off with a little bit of Q&A for you here Sweet. we're gonna hit you a little, with a little bit of rapid fire then we're gonna go into some deeper questions and then we'll get to the actual topic of the day okay yeah let's so rapid fire Brett what is the book that you're most excited to read next um, probably the clay pigeons of st. Lowe clay pigeons of st. Lowe mm-hmm. what is that about uh, it is about the clay pigeons of st. Lowe which okay. is a which is a unit in World War two that was led by Glover Johns um, if you don't know who Glover Johns is um, look him up on just Google yeah um, Jocko has a podcast <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Jocko has a podcast about him. I can't remember the number for the life of me. Um, yeah, it would be very difficult to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The But the Battle of St. Lowe in World War II was a, a very large battle shortly after D-Day. And, um, you know, everything I've ever heard about Glover Johns is a very uh, – that he's a great leader. Um, and he loved his men dearly. So I, I'm supposed to be getting that book here soon. So I'm really excited about it. Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, you said The Clay Pigeons of St. Lowe by Glover Johns. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. Awesome, man. Uh, next rapid-fire question. What is your favorite part about Christmas? Man, that's a that's a rough question because, honestly, I'm not huge about the holidays, but um, seeing family, yeah. you know, being able to spend a little extra time with my wife. That's cool. Is really, you know, my favorite part. Yeah, if you... nobody's ever asked me these questions so I always ask people questions but nobody asked me Um, I was gonna but you said spend an extra time with your wife I think if I did have to narrow it down all that extra time we spend like shopping and doing things together that is pretty cool Um, we shopped for like Christmas decorations Um, if you if you heard my last episode negotiation um, that one was that one was pretty cool we spent a lot of time in Hobby Lobby (laughs) and uh, I, I think I like that part with her um, probably the most. Um, her and I can't keep a secret to save our lives, and so like trying to like buy each other gifts is just a, a fucking nightmare every time. Um, but no, I, I do enjoy that part. And then I'm a consumer, man. I love to buy shit, so um, I love that part about it too. I can understand that. Yeah. But anyway, man, I think that covers the uh, the rapid fire. Get get two little uh, two little questions there for you. Um, I did have some user submitted question, user listener submitted questions. Um, first one, and this is kind of these questions are going to kind of go together. Um, 
the first one is what qualities do you wish you had more of or are you going to strive to have more of like what are you working on so patience as always i think even if you are a very patient person i think that you can be more patient yeah um you know being um a detached person i mean that's it's hard to I know that's not necessarily a quality, but um, I want to be a more detached person just through my life. Yes, sir. And then uh, I want to have discernment and discernment okay. to uh, judge situations just okay. to know whether it's who's wrong, who's right, or just knowing what's right and what's wrong. So yes, discernment. Sir. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to push back on you a little bit on but not push back, but I'm going to, I want you to clarify. What is the difference? You're a big Jocko guy, big Jocko fan. Um, what is the difference between, how do you draw the line between being patient and being default aggressive? Um, I think that, um, that's a good question, number one. But I think that you can be patient and default aggressive. I think when you are default aggressive, you know, you are looking for the opportunities. You're pursuing your goal. But at the same time, sometimes you have to take a little... Um, take a step back. I was listening to General Gronsky, and he was talking about tactical patience. Okay. And, like, taking a second to let a, a situation develop. Yeah. Um, and I think that here lately in my life... Um, through a circumstance that you and I were talking about on the phone, yeah, we um, we talked a little about about patience and you know letting things fold out before we make any decisions. Yep. And I think that's a when it comes to not not necessarily a line between um, patience and default aggressive, but they go together. Yeah, and patience can sometimes be you. Some people use patience as a Oh, I'm relaxing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just patient. I'm just relaxing. You know what I mean? It, really what they're doing is letting time go by. Yeah. So when I say patience, I mean I want to be patient if someone's kind of coming at me hard, if they're being aggressive with, in their tone or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, that's how I would distinguish the line is patience, but not lackadaisical. Yeah. I, I think that's a... Yeah, there, there's definitely a hard line to find there because, you know, I've been told and you, you hear like the instant gratification generation, like um, you, you hear a lot about that of how patience isn't a virtue anymore. And I find myself in that a lot. I'm not a very patient person. Um, when I want something done, I want it done right now. Now I'll procrastinate if it's something that I got to do. Right. But yeah. if I'm waiting on somebody else, um, I'm, I'm not a very patient person. And I, I do have to th- I do have to say that I think it's benefited me more than it's than it's hurt me. I would agree. Um, you know what I mean, like because I push. You know what I mean, uh, and that's something that my wife and I disagree on pretty often. Is I'm like, hey, did you ask about this at work today? Did you ask about this? And she's like, no. Hey, I'm waiting for them to get back on me. I'm like, no. You go and you tell them that you want an answer now. You know what I mean, like. We're not being patient, and I think a lot of people, kind of like what you said, they're lackadaisical or they use patience to put off being uncomfortable. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm just patiently waiting for an answer. Like, no, you don't want to deal with the situation. No, yes. You know what I mean? Like, you're not being patient. You're being, um, like, passive uh, a lot of times. And so that's a very hard line to, to find. And... I, yeah, I, I agree with you that I need to be more patient at times. At times, yes. It's very, I would say most of the time you don't have to be patient. Yeah. When it comes to opportunities, if you have to like talk to the boss about something and something needs to be done, if I'm going for a raise and they're like, well, yeah. I'll get back to you and you're saying, you know, like, no, you need to go talk to him about that. Yes, like really patience is really what I'm talking about is when someone comes at you and they're kind of being a little, you know, they have a tone with you that you're not really cool with. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. really what I mean. It, but yeah, I can yeah. see what you're saying about how. And I think also when it comes to people and patience, you know inside of you what you mean by "oh, I'm just being patient." Yeah, you know because deep inside that stomach is, you know, that nervousness is right there. Like I'm just being patient. No, yeah. you're avoiding the situation. Yeah. So I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I have to say, if I if I answered. If I were to answer that question of what qualities do I want to develop a little bit more of, it's definitely disciplines up there. Um, discipline in my diet is a big one. Um, I, I, and I will give myself a little bit of credit. I've, I've made leaps and bounds in the area of discipline just since last February, um, February 2022. But I do think that discipline would probably be one of those. Um, I don't know what value it is to not be... 
um, not let my emotions get as affected as other people's emotions or like as affected by other people's emotions you know what I mean yes. like yes when I hop on a phone call with somebody and they're super negative in a, in a business setting I can I can handle that all day long but when it's somebody personal like close to me like my wife or my mom or my brother or something like that when they come at me super negative uh, I, I instantly emotionally react to that and like a negative light you know what i mean yeah i can understand uh, that. so i don't know what value that is to to make that better but that's something i'm trying to work on is to to keep um steady and and detached uh when people that are close to me come at me with emotions you know what i mean i can understand uh, that do you have a measurable way um it's kind of off topic but do you have a measurable way to distinguish uh to measure your um discipline your discipline improvement whether it be going up, down, whatever, whatever might be going on with your discipline. Do you yeah, the power list. Andy Frazilla's power list. Okay, gotcha. Um, and part of me needing to be more disciplined is making a power list every day. Ouch. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, I don't always make a power list every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what I need to do is I really need to get un- uncomfortable with losing the power list because at least I'll make one. You know what I mean? Because I get afraid of putting an L on the power list. Right. And so yeah. I don't even make the power list. You know what I mean? Um need to instill that sense of security when you make one. There's yeah. a sense of security when you have everything done. Yeah, and and most of the time I do. Like, if I put a power list down, I, I complete that power list. Right. And even even on days that I don't put a power list down, I do enough stuff for a power list. Like, I get all of my water in or whatever, or I track my food, or I go do my two workouts a day. Like, I still stay pretty disciplined, but it's the days that my discipline fails and I don't have that power list to keep me motivated that really, really suck. Um, or to, you know, my power list to keep me on track. Um, and what I, like I said, what I really need to do is I need to be, I just kind of came to this epiphany is that I'm just not okay to put an L on my power list. And so I just don't make one. Like gotcha. there can't be an L on the power gotcha. list if I just don't make a power list. Do you know what I mean? I can understand um, that. So I, I need to be okay with having an L on my power list. Uh, so that I'll at least make one, mm-hmm. and then me making one, I won't. I won't get any else. Does Does that make sense? Yes. You get what yes. I'm saying. I'm so scared of, of failure that I won't even put yes. myself on the board. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, it sucks when you have to acknowledge your failures. Yeah. And especially something about when you're putting it either in the phone or if you're putting it on like a, a board or whatever, and you yeah. have to write down there like you didn't succeed. Yeah. Man, it hurts so well, bad. And it does hurt, but it's it's the same amount of hurt as when I'm laying in bed and I'm like, man, I'm a piece of shit because I didn't make a power list today. You For know me what I mean? Worse. Like, For me, it's way worse. You think it's worse when you have to write it down? Uh, if I have to, like, so, like, whenever I'm, like, doing 75 hard yeah. and I know uh, that, like, the first time I did it and I didn't complete something, yeah. and I couldn't check that that little dot. It hurt more. Oh my gosh, it hurt. Felt like yeah. someone hit me in the head with a baseball bat. Yeah. Just from the, I think what it is is shame. Mm-hmm. You know, just because um, the shame of knowing that I've got some people in my corner from some high places that believe in me. Like, yeah. I remember, say what you want about Conor McGregor. Like, I'm a yeah. quotes guy, right? I yeah. really like quotes. Yeah. Um, he he said one time he's got a lot of good ones. Yeah, <laughs> yes he does. Um, he uh, he said one time that your lack of dedication is an insult to the people that believe in you. Yeah. Oof, that hurt me. Yeah. Just I mean the 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 fact that I don't have enough dedication to get what I need to get done, and I'm in actively insulting the people that um, want to support me. Yeah. And they they support me regardless. It uh, it'll put it in perspective of yeah. your effort. It's kind of uh, I have the same sort of guilt, but to the people that I'm trying to be an example to, right? Not not necessarily to those that support me and lift me up. You know what I mean? But it's to the people that I'm trying to be an example to. I have that same sort of guilt about being an example because it. And if if especially the listeners, if you've learned anything about me, you know that one of my key key values and something that I appreciate is consistency. Um, you know, somebody being consistent to their values and practicing what they preach. And so that holds me more accountable and more guilty than anything. Um, it is like, hey, look, I've got, you know, 
somebody looking up to me like I'm supposed to be an example for my wife for the way that our house is supposed to be led uh, if I don't do these dishes then I'm not being an example you know right, what I mean yeah. and I'm letting her down by being a hypocrite and I don't like that and so I get a lot of guilt from there but I think for me the, the act of writing it down I don't think it hurts any worse it just almost delays it you know what I mean yeah. like I can go like it's an immediate uh, disappointment in myself when I have to write down a failure but I can still, if I don't write it down, I'll put it off for three days. I'll put off that disappointment. And then after three days of being a piece of shit because I haven't wrote it down, then the super depression comes because I've been a piece of shit for three days. Gotcha. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it, it's it hurts the, visible. the equal amount. I can just procrastinate that hurt. Right. It's um, the visible representation yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, so, but no, anyway, yeah, I think if I, discipline is one I'm really trying to work on now. Gotcha. Uh, empathy would probably be one that I need to, Ooh, I need to work on. Yeah. Um, I, I, I put some value on empathy. Um, I think people lead with it far too heavily. Um, I think that people use empathy way more than what they should sometimes. Uh, well, let me put it this way. I think too much of an emphasis is put on empathy sometimes that we can lose a little bit of objectivity. Um, mm. You know what I mean? Like, put yourself in their shoes. Okay, well, their shoes are mentally unhinged. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, um, So I ha I've put empathy on the back burner for a long time. I would like to develop a little bit more empathy um, with people. So I, I've noticed that, and I think this is the that way, I think it's the way for a lot of people, but I've noticed that when somebody gets in trouble for something or when somebody is uh, like getting canceled for something that I may have done, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I take a little bit more offense to that. And so, because that's empathy. That's, you can, you put yourself in their shoes because you've done those things. Right, um, yeah. And so, like, when my little brother is getting in, in trouble for something that I used to do in high school, uh, I'm super empathetic to that. But when he's being a dumbass and just can't get his grades right, I'm like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Because I didn't have that issue. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. I had other issues. And so, uh, I, I think I would like to develop a little bit more empathy. Um, so, I think that is one I quality like it. I'd like to, I like yeah, it. like to work on a little bit more. So, Brett, uh, second part of that question is if you had a daughter, like say tomorrow you had a daughter, um, what qualities would you like to see in the man? She's going to marry a man because mm. that's the way God intended. Uh, what qualities would you like to see in her man that she, she eventually marries? So I would want I would want this guy to be better than me. First okay. off, um, not just in I want him to be better morally, spiritually, physically. I want him stronger, faster, yeah. more handsome looking. That's not hard to achieve. But yeah, that's that's um, not fucking hard. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just you know, I want him to have discernment and spatial awareness, you know, uh, being able to to decipher the world and the information that comes up on your phone you know what i mean yeah. the just the ability to look at something and just go mm, that don't seem right you know what yeah. i mean awareness yeah just awareness and you know him just being better than me as a whole yeah um and you know i want him and i want it to be you know she knows that he's he's the one not yeah. like you know a lot of times i think that the relationships um they kind of like i guess we're gonna get married like i yeah. want him to have her so tied up yeah like uh i think you and i both can agree that like our wives are about us yeah they they're it's not a question of like i love this guy it's like i'm about him and that's my dude yeah and i i want that kind of man for my daughter yeah so you want let me let me clarify this you don't want her to be obsessed with him but you do want her to be um loyal you know what i mean committed like loyal to a fault yeah, yeah you know what i mean not loyal to the point of like if he hit her or something and she ain't gonna leave i just mean that yeah you know um right now in my current relationship status that my wife is she's about me in everything i do yeah she is a hundred percent supportive she you know she told me the other night like I was like, hey, I, I'm thinking about doing some jujitsu competitions by myself and stuff, you know. And yeah. she's like, I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah. And you know, I just thought about that. I just looked at her, and I was just like, she's about.
about me. Yeah. She's not about like, oh, that dude at the supermarket was cute. Like, yeah, no, yeah. she's about me, dude. Yeah. You want him to be a leader. And I, I want him to have those qualities and I want him to just be a better human being than I am. Yeah. And uh, I think that if, um, if I don't teach her, me and my wife, or my wife and I don't teach her to choose a man that's better than us, yeah. I think we've failed. You yeah. Know? I, I, I agree with a lot of that. I like that you brought up um, the fact that you want him to be better than you. That was that answer wasn't really on my radar uh, when I was thinking about this question, and I like that you know you, you threw that in there that you specifically want him to be better than you. You know, we hear that a lot from parents. We're not parents, obviously, no. right now, but. Um, you hear that a lot of that they want their kids to be better than them and uh i think a lot of dads get caught up in when their uh when their daughter's boyfriends come around they instantly lose that uh that overwhelming feeling that they want them to be better than what they are you know what i mean like it becomes a competition with a lot of dads i think well you also um, lose leadership capital yeah when you act like that you lose yeah. that capital of like being the the tough man yeah. because then you automatically create an antagonistic relationship with that boy yeah you know what i mean i'm not talking high school relationship here we're talking yeah. future husband situation here. yeah and i think that if you approach it with i'm here to field test this man you yeah know what i'm saying like I you need to approach it as if okay let's you know you are testing him but you don't need to be so openly blatant about it that the yeah. dudes the dudes gonna be like well this freaking old man blah blah yeah, blah don't you be know. a dick yeah like yeah you know if yeah. you taught your daughter right she'll she'll bring a man home to you that will be of character yeah oh uh, yeah I, I think so and I and I think that's kind of what um that's where I was going is that you know one of the main things as a dad that i think again we're not dads so there's gonna be dads out there that you may think we're wrong and if you do then please come in and be a guest on the show and tell me how we're wrong but uh i I think that when i look at my goals as a father in the future uh i really want to provide an example for who my son is to become and who my daughter is to marry um I, i really want to provide that example and uh, so I started thinking about that, and I, I think I want her to be the you know the man that I want to be in 18 years is far and away way better than the man I am now. Uh, you know, say we were to have a daughter tomorrow, um, the the man I want to be when she is ready to marry, you know, 20 years old, 20 something, um, the man I want to be then is way better than I am now. And I think if I had to choose the perfect guy for her to marry, it would be that man, that version of me. 20 years later plus a little bit extra kind of like what you talked about agreed Um, Agreed. and you know I think it's less about where he's at in the moment and more about where he's going you know what I mean I I don't need him to have everything figured out uh, at that moment but I do want to know that he's willing to grow willing to learn and uh, willing to lead her on that path he needs to be a leader that is one thing Uh, I would like somebody that knows a little bit more um, that is maybe a little bit more religious than I am and somebody that knows a little bit more about that stuff uh, than what I do because I, I feel like I'm trying to get a little bit more in it uh, and I think it's crucial to helping build a good marriage uh, especially in, in the times that we're in having those values to fall back on um, I do I do I'll give myself a little bit of credit I do a damn good job upholding traditional values without knowing much about religion and Christ Um I, I do that pretty well, uh, but I would still like to have that religion and, and Christ backing, um, and I want the guy that she marries to eventually uh, have more of that. And again, that's the guy I want to be. So my statement still stands that you know the guy I want to be in eighteen to twenty years plus. You know what I mean? The you know Haas in eighteen years, you know, but Haas point one. You know what I mean? The next version. Well, and as of your me. daughter, as your daughter's growing up. And she's watching her father, yeah. you know, whether it be, let's just obviously a fitness journey, you know what I mean? The being, yeah. when you're growing up, you know, you would never, you might not think that those children are watching you, you know, yeah. through that weight loss or whatever, you know, it's teaching them grit through pain and sweat, you know what yeah. I mean? And uh, I think it'll translate yeah. through the time. Yeah. So I, I think so. And, you know, something else I was thinking about is, uh, I want him to obviously I want him to pass my standards check but I think it would be more important if he passed uh, my wife's 
standards check. You know what I mean? Like if my wife approved of him, I would I would be that would make me feel really comfortable. You know what I mean? Like because you know, hopefully in 18 years my wife's standards have gone because I want her to hold me to a higher standard than what I even am now. And so in 20 years I want her to keep that. And so I want her to hold 20 year hoss, you know, 20 year down the road, 42 year old hoss. I want 43 year old hoss I want her to hold him to a higher standard as well. And so if that becomes her standard in 20 years, uh, is me plus some, then I want that guy to meet that standard. It you would be I mean? a good indicator for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, she's, she's going to hold me to a better standard than what I'm even at right now. She's going to keep pushing me. And so if that guy meets her standard, then, then I would think that it would be acceptable. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that we covered that one pretty well. Um, I can't think of anything else to add to that. And, you know, talking about being an example, you know, that we've got to equip, you know, young women and young men to go out and and pick, you know, their suitors for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's that's what it's about is being able to, to pick somebody. And I think that ultimately comes down to being the best example you can be and hoping that they choose wisely. Yeah. And teaching teaching daughters to read people. Yeah. Um, to read men because men sometimes they can hide it real well yeah. of just how terrible they actually are. Yeah. So, but it's um, all example. Yeah. It, it, it is 90% by example. Um, yeah. So I would, I would want the dude to be not only meet my wife's standards, but meet my friend's standards. You know what I mean? And I mean, my good friends. You right. Know, like, yeah. You know, you, Jonah, people like that, that, um, hold me to a good standard every single day. I would want that guy to be able to come into a room, have a conversation, and everybody enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like everybody appreciate him, and, and I would want him to mix into that group pretty well because y'all are better than I am. So if he holds to that standard, then um, well, if he automatically meshes with the group that you already have set up, yeah, because your daughter's gonna, you know, that family members are automatically gonna mesh with your group, yeah. And if he just kind of folds right in the mix, yeah, it's also another good indicator, yeah, you know. Another thing is, I don't want him to be exactly like me, um, you know, I think some dads fall into that in the, in the political realm, and I want him to. I want him to hold the same. I want to have value alignment with this man. Um, I want to make sure that he holds the same values of traditional marriage. It's not even traditional marriage. It's marriage because that's what marriage is. Right. Yeah. But I want him to hold the same values of marriage and leadership to a certain ex- to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Sorry. Um, I don't want him to be one of these people that think that you know my grandson could be a granddaughter one day. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I want to have a certain amount of value alignment with this man, but I also want him to be different um in a way so that you know we don't number one so that we don't clash but uh just want him to be different i don't want her to marry me you know what i mean i want to marry me plus agreed um so i I really like the way you put that so next uh the reason that we're sitting down here today to um give our listeners something to kind of chew on uh jocko's leadership strategies and tactics uh one of my it's probably my favorite book i don't, I don't know if it's my favorite book but it's one that i got the most out of if, if i had to say pound for pound like um or word for word like word of reading versus word of knowledge that i got out of that 100 percent the best book i've ever read like the amount of time i spent reading it versus the takeaways that i got and the life-changing um the the life-changing habits that it reinforced leadership strategies and tactics was 100% the best book I've ever read Hmm. um you know it's written in not really shorthand but it's definitely a field manual yeah it's it's definitely quick yeah Yeah, it's 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 quick uh and it's it's really referenceable yes um and I thought that was pretty cool but one thing that did I did think it left lacking which who am I to criticize uh Jocko and his writing but one one thing that I, I left wanting more of was a little bit more of a of a tactical solution and tactical examples of his four laws of combat so for people that don't know um jocko has these four laws of combat that govern his govern his leadership and they're they're really simple so it starts with cover and move that's the first law of combat the next law of combat is simple 
Um, after that, it's going to be prioritize and execute and then decentralize command. And he uses those four laws to govern the way that he leads in almost any situation. Is it? Would you say I'm correct on that? Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so uh, let's go through each of these laws. I want to define them for people, or at least our definition. So one thing I don't want to do, and y'all tell me if y'all think this is the wrong approach. I'm not sitting here with this book in front of me. I don't want to do a whole bunch of quoting about it because it, I, I don't want to just relay. You're not listening to the Jocko podcast. Jocko can say it better than I can. Um, so I want to give you my interpretation of Jocko. Uh, if y'all want to hear more of the specifics, we kind of have the book club and stuff like that. But I mean, I intentionally did not read Jocko and intentionally am not reading Jocko right now to make sure that you're getting my thoughts. So I just want to clarify for that. I may be wrong, and the same thing with Jordan Peterson. I may be a little bit wrong and off, and if you feel that way, message me. You know what I mean? Like, let's talk about it. But I want to define those laws of combat from the way that we got it from the book uh, and then go into practical examples of how we use those every single day um, in a relationship level and at a work level. Does that make sense? Sounds good. Cool, because he, he gives it to us in combat form. Quite often. He tells us about how you're... We are not SEALs. Yeah, we are not SEALs. Um, he tells us about his gunner and, you know, the, the fields of fire and riflemen and leadership and stuff like that. And it's easy. Like, I understand that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I spend a lot of time studying that stuff, but... Well, it's uh, simple. Yeah. Simple. The second law of combat. It's simple. It's... I don't know, especially when it comes to men, you know, I think every man has some sort of intrinsic ability to understand war. Yeah. And um, so... The easiest way to understand it is through that, yeah. you know, thing. Um, so let, let's get into cover and move. What does cover and move mean to you? Um, so, and you wanted to do this relationship and then work. Well, right. I want to define it and then examples of how you use it in relationship in, in your relationship. And then examples of how you use it in like a work setting. So just the definition for me personally, the way that it's, it's changed over the years. Yeah. Um, you know, just my definition currently is pretty simple. Just covering for my wife. Let's start with a relationship in the beginning. It's covering yeah. for my wife and allowing her to move whatever whatever she might be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, she has to do some photography stuff today. Okay, I'm cooking dinner tonight. You yeah, know, yeah. it's so simple. I think a lot of times we, we hear these um these big terms like cover and move and we yeah. want to over exaggerate what these things are and make like they have to be the most complex um definitions of them like would you say that teamwork works good for cover and move um yeah yeah could, you, could you make yeah. the equation cover and move equals teamwork yes absolutely okay. yeah and, and i mean that's really what that is is you know i'm covering for her in some sort of fashion yeah as she moves to complete a task. Okay. Um, so let's lay down. Uh, I do want to lay down kind of the the actual because I think the good, the combat gives illustration to this. So when you're holding a position or you're you're in actual combat, we don't know this from experience, but this is the way Jocko describes it. Uh, when you're in combat, you, what you do is you say you got a pair. Say Brett and I are being assaulted by an opposing force and we're fighting them. We're currently engaged. We found cover. We're currently engaged, but we need to move to a different position. We need to get it out of the situation that we're in. What's going to happen is instead of us both of us moving and relieving pressure off of that opposing force one of us is going to cover with fire and we're going to shoot at them suppress the fire hopefully you know get some hits and the other guy is going to move and then when he gets there he's going to fire from his position cover me and then i'm going to move uh, so that's that's kind of how that's used in a military setting for those that don't don't know. don't overthink it. Yeah, don't it, over don't overthink it. Simple. But that that's that's kind of how um, that's how it's meant, and that's what you hear when you hear cover and move. That's what's meant is somebody's somebody's handling business while the other person is doing what they need to do. So, um, and you said you use that in your relationship by you know when she's out, she needs to go do something. You cook dinner. You trade roles a lot. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, whatever might come up, you know, if, if I'm having to work late and I need whatever done, you know, yeah. something to be done, okay, she's going to help me out there, um, and then vice versa, you know, I'm cooking dinner, I'm doing laundry, whatever whatever needs to be done, I'm covering for her, Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, just simple, you know, sometimes being a team player, you're, yeah. you're going to have to do things that, you know, that they're not going to be able to attain that day. Yeah, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, you covered the, the, the physical aspects of cover and move in a relationship. You know, what are we actually doing? What are we, you know, dishes, dinner, this, this and that. Uh, something that I've been trying to kind of 
implement in my life is cover and move on an emotional level. Um, you know, understanding, and this went back to my original uh, answer for the qualities of what I'm trying to work on, you know, not being as effective negatively by her negative emotions. I think cover and move has a lot to do with the way you interact with your life, with your wife as well, as far as if she's having a bad day and if she is, uh, if she's having a bad day and pushing a lot of negativity onto you, then try to try to cover for her and, you know, allow her to move through what she's doing right now. You know what I mean? What she's going through right now. And I don't do that very well. You know, a lot of times, um, <laughs> a lot of times she'll come in with some negativity and I become her enemy, not her teammate. Um, and you know, I've been trying to implement cover and move there a lot. Is it, hey, I'm going to be the emotional stronghold, the emotional rock in this relationship right now. I'm going to cover while she moves to a better position. And then after a few days of me doing that, she's going to cover while I move to a better position. Which is really good. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that as men, that's where we struggle is yeah. on the being the emotional, um, you know, being able to listen and just be like, yeah, okay, now, I understand. I will say to women, if fucking any of them listen to the show uh i will say to women we're your emotional rock we're not your emotional trash can agreed um yeah i i just want to make that ultimately clear and you know my wife would agree on this point that we're your emotional rock not your emotional trash can it is not incumbent upon you to come in and dump every bit of your emotional trash on your husband every single day um, now, husbands, it may be a day, there may be one day to where you have to be the emotional trash can, and that's part of cover and move. Um, but to wives, just want to put this note out there because I hear a lot of stuff about how men don't listen enough. A lot of women use men as their emotional trash can, and they never take the opportunity to cover and move for their husband. Yeah, if you don't, um, if you don't ask, we're not going to be as open. You know, I don't struggle with this personally, but I can understand that Like, if you're not, you know, if you're only covering and you're never moving, you're going to mm-hmm. feel like you're not going to be as apt to You're going to run out of ammo. Yeah. You're not you know what I mean? Like, she'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to run out of ammo. Um, and, you know, Dylan and I have struggled with that a little bit because her, I'm her, like, she's my best friend, but I'm one of her only friends. You know what I mean? Like, she, she is more introverted than I and so she just needs me and then the occasional friends you know of my the occasional wives of my friends you know what I mean she doesn't need a whole lot of other friends but what that does sometimes is that she'll come in and dump an emotional load on me um, right after work or something like that and uh, we've worked through that a lot um, and to where I'm like hey look I can't just take all of your you know, emotional garbage, like deal with your emotional stuff yourself. You know what I mean? Like it is funny and I may sound like an ass on the other end of this mic, but it's, it's true. You know what I mean? Like a lot of guys suffer with that and ladies, the quickest way to turn your guy off uh, to your emotions and to, to make him desensitized to your emotions is to dump way too much on him in the first place. That. And then also like if you, you know, a lot of times as men will, we will receive that load and we're yeah. not necessarily it's not necessarily the problem of receiving the load of that emotional load it's uh the problem is is when we don't express our emotions back so that we don't um, respond with the same intensity yeah uh, in emotion you know um personally when it comes to my emotions whether it be a hard day at work whether it be blah 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 whatever i'm not very vocal about it yeah you know like like today, whenever you showed up, I said it was a hard day at work. We kind of talked about it for a second, and then that's it. Like, yeah. On on the grand scale, you have no idea what happened at work today for me. Yeah. But I think just as men, we're built that way to just we're gonna incur that load. Yeah. And it's it's kind of an unwritten rule. Like, okay, take the load, and then just shut up about your emotions. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, I don't think that it's necessarily wrong. But when you're dealing with your wife, you need to. It's almost like a a different gear. You need yeah. to do it take a mental note to shift into a different gear when you're trying to cover and move for your wife emotionally. Yeah. And that's a good point too. You know, I've already, you know, I yelled at, I yelled at the women, but, uh, that's another thing for dudes is we talk about, you know, a lot of people talk about being vulnerable and opening up to your wives and, and making sure that they have an insight to your emotions. And a lot of wives need that. You know, my wife, God, like she, I feel bad for her because all she wants is to know like how my day actually went I'm the and same I never way. give it to her. Um, I'm the same way. So 
I've been working on opening up a little bit, but also, guys, don't become blubbering tit bags to your wife every time. She doesn't want a kid. Yeah, you know what and, I mean? Like, she doesn't want a kid. She doesn't want somebody that's going to whine to her every time it goes. So, so basically what I'm saying is find that middle ground, find that nuance, and start to cover and move. Yeah, like, uh, I think that if you, as you were saying, a blubbering tit bag that... Yeah. Um, if you overshare that information, it will become... Um, unattractive is the best word to to explain it. Yeah. I think that at some point intrinsically in their DNA as women, it is not attractive for a man to just be like, "Well, he did this." Blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That it is not attractive at all. Yeah. So, um I think so something else Jocko talks about is something called reflect and diminish. Yes. Yeah. Um I know you've talked about it before, yeah. right? Um, and I think when it comes to your wife and doing that emotional support, the uh, like slow, like it's a spice. Like, yeah. If you put too much salt, you yeah. will ruin the food. I'm not saying just be like, you know, yeah. I'm sorry you had a rough day at work. Sucks to suck. Get over it. That's way too much. I'm yeah. just saying like, I can't believe she did that. I'm really sorry that happened to you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like let's reflect and let's let's step down one stair. And one stare, yeah. and one stare. So um, reflect and diminish could really, really help. Yeah, and a good way to think about reflect and diminish is a uh, like a kind of a foggy mirror. Um, if your wife comes to you with a lot of emotion and you're not really, it's not, it's not worthy of a huge reaction. Like, say that Sandra made a catty comment about her coat and it just absolutely ruined your wife' day, your wife's day. We're going to use a tactic called reflect and diminish. You reflect her. Emotions. You reflect her being upset. You say, "Oh my God, I can't believe Sarah would do that." But um, I love that coat on you. Yeah, but I, you know, I love exactly, that coat on you. Yeah, yeah. that's how we're going to reflect and diminish. It's, and it's, it's not a foggy mani- mirror that she yeah. Yeah, she yeah, understands yeah. that you're reflecting her emotions, but you're also not amplifying them. Yeah, does that make sense? Yes. And, so and they like and when you do that, and you, it's not manipulative. No, it's, it's not. not manipulative. Like, well, you know, you're not trying to gain anything out of this. Yeah. Um, just. Yeah, like I love the way that coat looks on you, and be truthful about it. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. Well, do it honestly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you know, I, I'll kind of, uh, you know, when D. Ellen comes home about something at work, I, I try to use reflect and diminish. I'm not very good at it yet because me diminishing is me either. Me, me diminishing either. is like, oh, oh my god, that's so terrible. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't diminish. I destroy. <laughs> and so I'm not very good at this yet. Uh, but I'm trying. So let's move on to uh, business. How do you cover and move in business? I think it's going to be pretty simple. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, so I'm shorthanded right now at work. So I'm covering right now, yeah. you know, multiple days a week, you know, six days a week I'm working. Yeah. That's, you know, it's super easy to understand, you know, oh, a job's not being filled. I'm going to cover that job. And then guess what? I'm, I have a, a sick day where I can't, you know be sick i'm moving someone else is going to cover for me yep so pretty simple there you know not too hard to understand makes sense yeah i I agree with that uh yeah doesn't i think a lot of it has to do with being able to step out of your specific job responsibilities as well um you know something cover and move is that make sure it's covering and uh you know a lot of people you'll hear the people say that we don't have job descriptions here uh, fucking false. We do have job descriptions here because every every team member has a role. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, yeah. We, you know, the people that say we don't have job descriptions here, we just do what needs to be done. That's because they can't formulate a good team. And and I would I would venture to say that they could they can't formulate a good team, and their turnover rate is terrible. Yep, yep. You're exact. You're exactly right. So um, if you go into a if you're going to a job, or if you're the type of person that says, "Oh yeah, we don't have job descriptions here." Um, that's not cover and move. Cover and move is that we all just do what needs to be done. No, cover and move is that you have certain people with certain responsibilities. Uh, think about like, and I may butcher this because it's been so long since I've played football, but think about linemen. Your guard has a different job than your center uh, and your tackle, but occasionally your tackle may have to pick up a block. You know what I mean? They have certain jobs on every play, but occasionally shit breaks down and they might have to pick up another block. You don't just send all of your linemen out there and go say, pick somebody to fucking block. That's not what you do. Um, but sometimes you may have to cover and move uh, for your teammates. So that I think that's pretty pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. So let's that leads us right into the next law of combat, simple. Uh, what does simple mean to you? Um, simple is just, you know, 
whatever it might be that I'm doing, I'm just not making sure that I'm not over explaining something or, you know, just wasting breath on something that could be said in three words. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? Um, like just keeping it nice and simple. It's not hard to understand. No, simple, simple is pretty simple. And that is the law. Like that's the law of combat. It just says simple. Yep. And he talks about that. And the reason that you want it to be simple is because it, it it goes down to communication throughout the team. Uh, you can't communicate a complicated plan. I'm sure we've all played that game of telephone. Uh, where we say, hey, the cat is red, and it ends up at the end of, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to say. Uh, it ends up, you know, that the cat died in a horrible car accident at the end of the, the telephone. You know what I mean? At the end of the telephone game. Uh, or it's not even a cat anymore. You know, like, just stupid shit at the end of the telephone game. So, um, that that's a lot of times what happens within a team. Uh, if you don't keep the, the the mission simple, it's hey we're gonna take on a uh, three hundred thousand dollar project and what we're gonna do is we're gonna build an ag building out at West Texas A and M University and so that's a pretty simple say it's really convoluted it's a really convoluted project and it's gonna morph as it goes down throughout the team and then eventually nobody's gonna even know what we're doing nobody knows the strategy so keep a simple strategy way of go you know. A simple plan so that it can be communicated effectively and understood. Uh, I think that's pretty simple. We may be we may be overcomplicating the the second law of combat. Simple but not ambiguous. A- ambiguous. Ambiguous. Golly, I was thinking about that <laughs> word in my head over and over again. I was like, ambiguous. How do you say that uh, word? But ambiguous. Yeah. Yes. Simple but not ambiguous. Simple but not. Um, because it, if you, I, I saw something about this the other day to where Jocko said it actually needs to be simple. It doesn't need to be simply explained. The plan actually needs to be simple. Yes. Uh, and when you're thinking about your plans for your relationship or, or your, your work, the plan actually needs to be simple. You know what I mean? It's not a simple explanation uh, because that's what a lot of people will do is they'll have this complex plan, but they, they think in order for their team to understand it, you know what I mean? Or that their team doesn't need to know all this stuff, so they'll simplify it. They say, dumb it down. You know what yeah. I mean? They say, dumb it down. No, it doesn't need to be dumbed down. If your plan can't be understood by dummies, then it's not a good enough plan. It's not a simple enough plan. That's your You fault. know what I mean? You need to think through your plan well enough that it can be explained to a five-year-old. Uh, now, a lot of times, I understand that's a hard standard to hold but it needs to be the dumbest person in your team um in your in your team needs to be able to understand this plan you know fully to its fullest extent um not just be able to be explained to them the plan actually needs to be simple yeah and don't be afraid of questions if someone if someone looks at you and go but why are we doing that way doing it that way the answer is not because i said so yeah and you'll hear you know people that don't have that the 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 fact that your plan is simple means that you understand it to its fullest extent and you understand all the complications that actually come into it once you understand them and get them they no longer become complications they become uh you know factors as a part of the plan and a lot of people you'll see that in like a lot of our politics is when somebody comes up with like a political thought or something that they don't they don't fully understand themselves and they don't understand yeah. how to actually make it work what do they do they start overcomplicating things and making you know creating big words and and well shit that nobody but why, what about this but what about that yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. you know it becomes yeah it something. becomes way over complicated because they don't actually understand it mm-hmm. um so anyway keep it simple how do you use that in your relationship real quick um you know just <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain but just you know making sure that i'm not over complicating things where um you know the old adage don't make a mountain out of a molehill yeah yep 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 you know i'm not gonna you know hey take out the trash yeah well i took out the trash seven times you know the last seven times yeah i have no reason to just be like well you take out the trash you know what i'm saying that why would i make that into something yeah Uh, and i think it goes into our you know your actual family plan like what is your five-year plan as a couple you know, gotcha. yeah, uh, that that's too. that's something I've been trying to do is simplify our plan and my vision so that my wife can fully understand it and help me help me get along in that plan. You know what I mean? Yeah, just being on the same page when it comes yeah. to as to where we're going. Yeah, and I think we've talked a lot about the work side. I don't know that we need to elaborate anymore on the work yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know you okay. covered it. So yeah, uh, let's do prioritize and execute. That's the next law of combat. Uh, what does prioritize and execute mean to you? How do you use it in a relationship and how do you use it in a business setting? Uh, prioritize and execute, what it means to me is, you know, 
it means default aggressive to me. Really? That's that's what you get from prioritize and execute? Yeah, it's um, you know, there's things that matter right now and there's things that don't matter right now. Okay. Um I think that um just because it doesn't matter doesn't mean it's on my radar, but what I'm what I'm saying is that there's things in this world that um tasks that um will come up in front of your face yeah. and it's the most important thing you have to do right now. Yeah. Okay, that has my priority right there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to prioritize that. I'm going to execute that. And then just like a list throughout the yeah. day, like the 75 hard list, okay, water, first workout, second workout, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Prioritize those and let's execute. Yeah, I agree. And I think that comes from, uh, he may have actually explained this in a book. I don't know if it's from Jocko Underground or in the book where he explains prioritize and execute in terms of project management. I don't remember where that, that comes from, but sure I, that speaks to me because I'm, you know, I do project management on a daily basis and uh, prioritize and execute. Uh, it's really the only way to live your life is by priority. And you'll hear a lot of people uh, say, oh, I don't have time to do this or, you it's know, a quick mental decision. Yeah. For me. Personally. Yeah. Well, they say, like, I don't have time to do it. It's it's just not a priority. So prioritize, prioritize and execute really means um get your priorities straight and then start executing on them. And when you talk about like a project management perspective, uh, a lot of people will get caught up in the totality of the project and then they refuse to move. They get stalled. And I think that's what he talks about in the book is that, um, they'll they'll come up to a point in the project to where they've got so many things going on they don't really know what to do next and uh then they'll get stalled and they just they just don't know what to do and so really quickly you need to prioritize like what is the most pressing thing that we need to do right now well concrete needs to be poured we're able to pour concrete and it's got a 28 day you know break time that we can't do anything with so let's go ahead and get concrete poured and then we'll work on you know, exterior functions that are outside of the concrete. Like, but yeah, let's, like let's, that gives you yeah. a chance to take a step back. Yeah, let's pour the slab and then, because that's priority number one because it's got the largest wait time, let's pour the slab and then let's go work on the security fence, you know, because we can do that within the 28 days. Prioritize what needs to be done and then execute on those. Actually be default aggressive and go do that. What does that mean to you in a relationship? Uh, just in a relationship, it's, uh, you know, going back towards the emotions and the you know my wife's needs you know there's things there's things where when it comes to my wife's needs that sometimes some things just don't matter like okay this is on not the back of burner but it doesn't have my full focus right now yep but there's sometimes where she's like hey this needs to be done boom okay Mm -hmm. that's my priority right now let's get it done boom yep and uh and i think that's why i associate it so much with default aggressive that um when I, for some reason, when I think of prioritize and execute, it's an aggressive stance. Yeah. Um, f- going back to band, I don't know why this is coming up right now. Going back to band, so like when you have a beat through music. Yeah. So you you uh, there's a backside to the beat and there's yeah. a front side to the beat on a on a faster song like a, let's say Metallica or something. Yeah. When that song's playing, if you put yourself on the backside of the beat, you're going to feel just a tad, like not much, but just a tad slower. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. And then um, if you're on the front side of the beat, it's almost like being on the platforms of your feet. Yeah. You know, like when you're primed, ready to go, and you're on the platforms of your feet, Yeah. You are, uh, that is what I'm meaning by the front side. Yeah. of the beat is that you're in a gre- an aggressive stance ready to go where you're ready to go and that's what prioritize and execute feels like for me it feels like an aggressive thought yeah. so um when i'm thinking about multiple tasks and then i automatically break it down and i i adjust it to yeah. what's important okay this 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 and this in that order is how i'm doing it that's um the aggressive part of it okay and just in a relationship it's just you know the same the same tax and everything and then in a working environment um i'm kind of i'm really glad you brought up the the project management side of that because um that's on a large project scale yeah and if you break it down to currently what i do for work um with like pallets of product Yep. There's things on the shelf that, okay, this is completely out. That has my priority. Yep. But if you look at the whole thing, you're like, I have, you know, 700 cases worth of something that I've got to get out. Yep. It will, 
like you said, make you stall out. You because yeah. you're looking at the whole picture and you're like, it can freak you out. Yep. And um, the priority is what's lowest on the shelf. Yep. So that's the prioritize and execute in the business realm. And you know, it's as you move up through the ranks, you know. Okay, we have four coolers out in this store that are broken. Okay, that has priority. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's uh, you know on the business side. Yeah, I, I think I think it's good and uh, yeah, it's it's just a way to plan. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, by assigning things a priority level, it's a much easier way to plan than just trying to make everything fit together. You know what I mean? Like some people yeah. will look at a plan or a project schedule and. Uh, they won't approach it by priority. They approach it by what fits best. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they'll play with the days on a project schedule and try to make all these days fit and stuff like that. And that's fine if you can get it perfect. You know, a lot of times that's what we do on what we call a baseline schedule of, you know, the fir- very first schedule for this, it's the most perfect schedule in the world. But when you run into problems, you must start going by priority, not by what you think fits, you know, what the best Lego piece is. It's what Lego piece is the priority to get out of the fucking way right now. And then we're going to, we're going to execute. Um, yeah. Cause you're going to have to cover and move when you run yeah. into problems. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, let's go to decentralized command. What does decentralized command mean to you? How do we do it in a marriage? How do we do it in a business? So decent decentralized command for me is just, you know, making sure that, uh, just because I'm the leader doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the only one making decisions. Yep. Um, being able to accept ridicule and criticism. Ridicule. Yeah. And, you know, I hate you. Uh, you know, just being open to other people's advice. Yes, you know, while we were off air there just for a minute, you were just giving me straight advice. Yeah, yeah. And being able to take that with no ego is so important. And in a relationship, um, you know, I think a lot of times when it comes to wives, that wives are seen as almost just everyone likes to say that they're equal. But yeah. sometimes just because a man says they're equal doesn't necessarily he really mean he really believes it. Yeah. They could be just a little bit under. Yeah. Is how they actually feel. Yeah. Um, and I truly believe that my wife is my equal. Yeah. That when it comes to our order, it's decentralized it's not centralized through just me i am the leader but at the same time her word to me holds just as much weight as mine does yeah so uh when it comes to decentralized command for me it means that both of us have that ability to make calls make decisions Mm -hmm. yeah uh i agree with that especially on a relationship perspective yeah decentralized command to me uh I forget kind of what you had said. It, it I know what it, it means to you, but decentralized command means giving ownership of, of something. Uh, and I think that's almost exactly what Jocko says, is that the ability to give ownership uh, to other people in your, in your group. And uh, in, a, in a relationship, I agree with you that it means putting them on an equal putting them in an equal position and allowing them to make decisions that that greatly affect the team. You know, a lot of guys and honestly like I I want to say that I see it more from the women than I do the dudes. Like I want you to really think I see more women that take over relationships and take over households and uh, monopolize households than I really do see dudes. Well, that's the name of the game right now. I, I, I see dudes. Yeah. Well, I see dudes posturing, like they have control of what's going on. But when you really, really look at that, and I'm I'm reading a book now that actually confirms what I'm saying. Not really confirms, but I guess it does. It's got statistics and stuff behind it. It's called the Boy Crisis. But he says in there that women really do run households. Like especially if you want to talk about like kids and finances and stuff like that. Like women super super monopolize that. Um, at least, at least in my experience, like the dude may act like he does, um, and we we like to talk about the patriarchy and all that. But at least in a family level, um, I feel like women monopolize relationships um, a lot, uh, and that's that's just me from the outside looking in. And we all know the dude that can't make any decisions about the way that his kids are disciplined or you know what they wear, things like that. Um, and so. Basically, decentralized command means in a relationship that we want to give ownership to for 
we want to give ownership to our teammates in order to make those decisions, especially if you're the leader. Like, give ownership to your wife. I, I'm the leader in our relationship. I make sure that my wife knows that she has the authority and the ability to make the, some of the same decisions that I do. Um, right. It doesn't mean that you're just laying down and letting her take control because that yeah. would be centralized command. Yes, on her end. Um, and, you know, I have no doubt that that is a problem in the United States where yeah. women are controlling, um, you know, these relationships in these households. But I don't I mean, there's some of it that is, you know, women are just that's what they're about now. But yeah. I think a lot of times it's a failure of our fathers. Um, yeah of the previous generation at this point. Well, and I, I think it's a failure of, let me put it this way, I think it's a failure of men to do the first three. I, I think that yeah. when, when dudes really get overrun in a relationship, it's because they didn't cover and move, they didn't make things simple so that, they, you know, they didn't make their leadership style simple uh, and their goals simple for their wife to be able to understand. They didn't prioritize and execute. And so what happens is their wife eventually takes over and they're left, they're left just saying, okay, whatever you want, honey. You know right. what I mean? Like, okay, our kids are going to do whatever you want. I, I, I do think it happens. And some people may fight me on this, but I see in my experience, my real world, you know, my real world experience and the books that I'm reading that show actual t statistics on this thing. Um, I don't have them in front of me because I didn't think there was any way we were going to get into this. But uh, I, I think women do dominate, uh, dominate a lot of uh, a lot of relationships. I really think they do. And I would agree. And it's just a lack of ownership. Yeah, it's uh, a lack of ownership from men um, early early on in the relationship. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's lack of ownership, and then I think just plain our values are jacked up right now. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is completely bad on women. I think it's the dude's fault ninety percent of the time. Yeah, like we just talked about. Like, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the women are. I think the women are doing it out of necessity sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. 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 I think so. Sometimes. Um, I do think it comes down, and like I said, in that book, The Boy Crisis, uh, when it comes to the kids, I think that the women are doing it um, out of fear for like what's going to happen for the kids. You know what right, I mean? Like yeah. making sure that the kids stay happy. And so there's a lot of psychology in that. But let's get back to decentralized command. The goal in a relationship is to make sure that your wife has ownership over certain things, but also make sure that you take ownership over over certain aspects and make yourself a leader in that in that relationship, so that you can have decentralized command. Accomplish the first three uh, laws of combat in order to allow yourself to have good decentralized command. Because if you're not covering, moving, if you're not making things simple, and you're not prioritizing and executing, prioritizing and executing, then you're not you don't have any shot at decentralized command. And I think that's why it's lowest. Uh, is decentral decentralized command falls out the window if those if those uh, other laws of combat aren't completed. That's because they're complementary. All yeah. of them are yeah. complementary. Yep. You you really can't have one without having all the rest of them. Yep. And if you have one without all the rest of them, you're not doing it to its fullest potential. Yep. So well, man, I think that makes sense. Uh, do you have anything else on the subject? Um, not really. I mean, it's like the like we always talk. We were saying that they're all simple. Yeah. And that when you include them all together, and if you do an all right job on all of them, yep. you're going to be really successful in your life. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. If you cover and move, make things simple, prioritize and execute, and decentralize command, you will be working wonders. Let's give somebody... Yeah. No, I, I think so. I was going to I was gonna go off on a different track, but I think we've hit it all. I don't think there's any reason to, to beat the horse beyond death. So... Um, yeah, Brett, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you hosting me. You have a beautiful home. Uh, I, I really like it. My wife informed me how cute it was multiple times before we walked in that it is just the cutest little home. Uh, <laughs> Thank so, you, brother. No, dude, it looks great. Your wife has done a great job with the interior. Uh, really appreciate it. We're going to go get a chest pump after this. Yeah, man. Thank uh, you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really is an honor. Uh, I love being this. I love doing this. And, you know, I, yeah. I misspeak a lot. I'm tired, whatever, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just love to to talk to men who have the same values as me, yep. but also at the same time who have contradictory opinions yeah. um, than me. Like we don't agree on everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that this dialogue that you are creating through this podcast is really important yeah, in man. this world that we live in. And um, you're doing work that not many people are doing right now. Right. I mean, you have the big names that are doing it, like the Petersons, the Jockos, and everything. And yeah. Um, but. I think that on a micro level, on a on a micro level, it, at a yeah, at a micro level with people, yeah. this is something that is needed 
through our through our life. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, and, and I love having you on. And I think part of the reason that really uh, attracts me to having you on is is the transition that you've made. You know what I mean? Like the, we talked about it in the last podcast of uh, going from being you know fat, tub of lard, lazy, and I know I can say that because I was exactly the same way. Yeah, uh, yeah. and making that transition, you can share that experience with uh, other men and. It, and when I say fat, tubble, or lazy, it was in every aspect. You know what I mean? Again, with myself as well. Like every aspect, we were not, we were not examples. And I think we've become that in a certain extent. At least you have. And so I really want to share that with the world. And that's why I like having you on so much is because you've recently learned how to completely change your life around. Yeah, and it's it's uh, yeah, you're completely right. I mean, it's not just physically, but emotionally yep. and my values have yeah. changed so much. So yeah, you're completely right. And he is not being mean when he says that. <laughs> like Haas has got it like that. He can speak to me like, hey man, you're not doing what you're supposed to. And well, and it's kind of it's because the reason I say that is because it's not you anymore. And that's what right, I say yeah. for myself. And we say this all, you know, off air is that I, I was a fat tub of lard and I was lazy. Yes. You know, like yes. a year ago, that's the way I was. And I have killed that person. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's dead. Uh, so I speak, you know, I spit on his grave. Um, and I know, I know you're like that too. Yeah. So. And then, you know, if you haven't listened to the other podcast about the tattoo and stuff, like, yeah, you're, you're right. I almost wish I could fight that dude every single morning, like yeah. physically fight him. Yeah. And, uh, I think that it would give us a physical representation as to the daily grind. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Cause I mean that dude, he, he's worthless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah um, dude. Now he did, he did put me in the position to be here. He, he took the opportunities and stuff that he needed to, to get better. Um, but his position was, was worthless and I, I do my best to kill him every day. Just a moment in time. Yeah. And, and like I said, you, you did it amazingly well. Thank you. Um, sir. Thank you, you, you went from, yeah, from where you were to now that I just really want to showcase that to people and your values are wonderful. So I appreciate having you on, man. Uh, let's, uh, let's go get a chest day in. Let's do it. What do you say? Let's go. Awesome. Let's go. baby.